0: Fast forward to today and the expectations from customers, the ability to interact in an open world and have those paradigm shifts that are completely different than just five or seven years ago, the ability to have Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, Salesforce, all within an organization and have to be able to execute a, a single experience for the customer, You know, we, we've all experienced calling into an organization and they might ask for your phone number or your membership ID more than once, right? That repetitive experience or just the, the hindrance of not knowing who they are, that's because those systems aren't interoperable and in talking to each other. And like you said, Microsoft realizes that customers have made investments in that data estate outside of Microsoft technologies. People are running different operating systems. They're running different databases. They're in different clouds. They're leveraging different applications. Microsoft understands that and is in has invested in things like the common data model and the common data service and that Azure fabric in order to make different entities talk to each other.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Data Binge Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Russell. And if you're wondering why my voice sounds like Paul Bunyan's, it's because I just returned a couple of days ago from Microsoft Ready 2019, which took place in Las Vegas, had an amazing time. It's Microsoft's annual connection, collaboration, and celebration event for its sales, marketing, and services organizations. And I was out there for six days. can't believe I'm still alive. In my particular role as a data and AI specialist, the company decided to invest pretty heavily in us preparing to be far more technical to help our customers. So throughout the week, we had some pretty hefty learnings and laboratories on data engineering. A super fascinating topic, especially for nerds like myself. So as you can imagine, my very strict diet of coffee and cookies in between training sessions throughout the week, along with the highly healthy doses of fresh air from the casinos and bad uh, hotel sleep was not so great for me physically, but really made it a fun time and a great opportunity to connect with a lot of my colleagues, some of which I'll be having on the podcast here in the near future. So I'm pretty excited about that. Folks from Microsoft's engineering team with some specificity into AI solutions. So definitely stay in touch as I release some of those discussions soon. Today, I will introduce you to Nick Fratello. Nick is probably one of the most well-known thought leaders in Microsoft's US sales subsidiary, and you'll find out why shortly. He's been with the company for about six years. His background is in data storage and cloud with some familiar logos on his resume, like Dell EMC and PTC. And today in the Microsoft organization, Nick is currently a Dynamics 365 technical specialist, which means if you're unfamiliar with Dynamics, he helps big enterprise businesses leverage the power of the Microsoft 3 cloud platform. It's our Office 365, it's our Dynamics, which is ERP and CRM, and our cloud, Azure. To enable a data and analytics-driven fabric... That broadly allows customers to use their disparate data systems and applications, which are all over the place, to create a more consolidated ecosystem that helps them develop better customer-centric experiences. So this idea of customer-centric experiences is exactly what today's conversation revolves all around. The concept of this common data model theme and the common data fabric needed across systems that really brings things together for analysis, action, and automation for additional business outcomes. Nick is also a creator of the Microsoft Business Applications TV YouTube channel, which you can find a link to in the show notes. A really fun, very creative content property that gets about 1000 views per video, which is just a huge impact for such a niche technology topic on creating novel customer experiences using the Microsoft stack. So definitely check it out Today, Nick and I talk about his world of intelligent, interoperable Legos, is what he calls it, that helps businesses utilize signals from applications and system graphs to call customer-centric insights. So everything he talks about, it's all about the digital feedback loop. It's all about using all this data to really enhance that customer insight and experience. We talk about bridging the value of legacy investments in technology. We all know these big businesses make a lot of big bets. and They have been over the last 20 years. But reasoning through these legacy investments, through novel AI tools and capabilities for analytics and how they should be accelerating business outcomes. We talk about what businesses are struggling with, the importance of data hygiene, and why the backbone of many businesses, which is their data, is just not as modern as it should be in how and why that impacts end customer experiences. So really going back to the, to the customer experience, which is so powerful, especially today, and especially in retail. We also talk about the power of valuable experiences versus features and functionality and technology. And lastly, we really start to approach this thread of the value of stories and, and how these stories have helped Nick have a lot of fun in his role. This was a great episode. As you'll see, we just have a lot of fun talking to each other. Nick is a Microsoft drum beater, is what he calls himself, actually. So I think you'll really enjoy a fun and very passionate conversation on these topics and his ideas about why Microsoft is is a leader in some of these different areas. If you haven't done so already, please rate and leave a comment about the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps me better circulate the content so I can better serve you through great guests and conversations. The episode is also available on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Podcasts. Now I bring you Nick Fratello. Nick Fratello. What's up, my man? it's It's great to see and to connect with you. How are you? I'm doing very well. I've been very excited for this episode. Um, Not only was I excited to jump on the audio call with you, but we're also experiencing a a live uh, video stream. And it's cool to see another of the bald headed brethren um, (laughs) on, on the screen this evening or this morning, actually.
0: A, uh, a member of the follicly challenged club. E- exa- exactly. <laughs> <It's laughs> exactly. aerodynamics, is uh, the way I like to look at it.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, uh, so we met actually met at a what was it called the, the United States AI ambassador? I think it was like an acceleration event in yeah, it was kind uh, of like the
0: airlift for the US and airlift it was a summit summit of a lot of smart people in one room, and of which we were kind of on the, the medium bottom spectrum there.
1: I think it was each region at Microsoft had divided up um, or nominated certain people to be AI ambassadors, people who are really passionate about the technology and were working uh, real time with customers on some AI solutions in the space. So we were... Microsoft invested quite heavily. The product team showed up. A lot of the folks from engineering, they put us all in a room. I think there was about 500 of us. And we got together and it was just a really great, intimate, I think, two two or three days of us just ideating and talking about machine learning and understanding customer feedback loops and what was working out in the field and what engineering was doing. And you had made all these great comments. I feel like every five minutes you were standing up and just like dropping some fire. And uh, I was like, I got to talk to this guy. And then we connected at a happy hour. And then here we are.
0: Yeah, it's great to connect. I, you know, it's It's been a busy... I don't know, six or eight months since we've connected and the amount of innovation and capabilities that are coming, you know, not only in the space, but just in innovation, right? Like looking at the, the signals, the graphs, the machine learning, the prediction, um, the cognitive services, there's so much that when you get those 500 people in a room, there's a ton of magic that happens and just an awesome cross section. And I don't think my path and your path would have, uh, you know, crossed unless we were at that AI summit. So it's uh, it's one of the benefits of, you know, who we work for, but also, you know, getting people together in a room just to have great conversations and building that community. It's excellent.
1: I agree. I completely agree with that. So um, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are? Um, and how you spend your time, and uh, I think you have a pretty interesting pastime here at Microsoft, so why don 't you get into that
0: yeah, so at a at a thumbnail, I came into Microsoft from a uh, a colleague that I had worked with and actually went to college with uh, doug Adams and doug if you 're listening, you know thank you again. I give thanks for you know my relationship with Doug and every day um Coming to Microsoft from a background of really data storage and cloud, I started my career at EMC and was uh, fortunate enough to be at a very successful IPO that was really creating that data storage as a utility. And then I worked in uh, really in sales operations for some organizations that had a really robust CRM deployment and took that skill set. And when I saw the opening at Microsoft, I reached out to Doug Adams and I asked him, hey, do you know the hiring manager? And Doug actually just replied back. He said, I am the hiring manager. And that was about six and a half years ago, and it's been a phenomenal experience and journey at Microsoft ever since. You know, really going from the Steve Ballmer days to, you know, the the Satya transformation, and it's amazing just to see how we are empowering our our customers to achieve more, leveraging Microsoft's cloud. And it's I give thanks for it every day, and it's awesome.
1: And I think you said the magical. CRM dun, 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 word, yep. which some people absolutely love and some people actually uh, cringe at uh, for multiple yep. reasons. So just taking a couple steps back, you are a dyed-in-the-wool Microsofty. Um, you represent an incredible brand at Microsoft. You're doing a ton of stuff. You got, you've been here for six years. You're a content creator on YouTube. I've looked at some of your, your content. Excellent. I mean, very excellent professional content on really establishing yourself as a practitioner in the field and helping customers with some of the solutioning that they're looking to do on some of the different CRM and and ERP and uh, just customer engagement and operations platforms um, that they have. Uh, You went to Babson College. I'm just kind of going through your LinkedIn because you do have a good LinkedIn, updated LinkedIn profile. And you represent the Microsoft Power Platform at Microsoft and we've had a couple different conversations and we were just kind of ideating and talking about some stuff and you kind of challenged me and you were like, well, you know why Microsoft, the three clouds that we, that we have, why a three cloud provider and why that's a huge strength. And I I kind of, you know, gave some very basal response and you were like, no, 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 I have to, we need to really start talking about how all these different things integrate. And then we had a deep conversation, and one of the most powerful conversations I've had in the last couple months because you really have a great perspective. So I'd love to hear about what your thinking process is there, what the strengths are about the the, the triple cloud, and why people should care about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and thanks for in you know in pre- preparing for this conversation. I think you and I had a quick ten minute conversation maybe two or three weeks ago, and that's where. We just got excited, right? Like the amount of energy that when you take the view that you have of Microsoft and where I'm coming from, from, and I guess to take a step back, my role at Microsoft is to listen and to understand what our customers are challenged with from a business outcome. I'm lucky enough to represent Microsoft's tool set of intelligent, interoperable sets of Legos and the ability to put those in play to help drive business outcomes that, you know, starts with traditional things like CRM, which many people um, know it as, as customer relationship management, but it's really driving sales, service, the connecting of customers in those experiences. There is nobody better in the marketplace today that has the assets to help drive those experience than Microsoft. When you combine the infrastructure, the assets, the security, the development platforms, the signals coming from the graph of information from Microsoft's uh, productivity suite, meaning your calendar, your files, who you're meeting with and how often, and you marry that with the professional graph that is LinkedIn and the 630 million active profiles. And when you marry those two digital sources of signal and you layer in Microsoft's leading AI and the patents in the 40 years of Microsoft research to bring that all together, there is no better organization to help empower your company or your teams to be able to understand what are the activities, the analysis, and the ability to automate that than Microsoft. And when we have those conversations and we understand what's the outcome that customers are trying to achieve, whether it's business or if it's looking at creating experiences for customers, we have a a phenomenal portfolio to be able to do that. And it really makes everything at Microsoft and the investments that we empower our customers with really come alive. So it's, it's Azure, it's Office, it's the BizApps platform, and it's also the, the LinkedIn capabilities. When you bring those together, it really isn't those three or four or five separate assets, but you really, you're partnering with Microsoft to unleash all of those capabilities. And off the shelf, weave them together in order to drive business outcomes. And when we have a chance to first listen to our customers and then align their pain and understand, here's how we can help achieve business outcome one, two, or three, and take all of those assets and bring them together, that's when we really start to help companies and organizations digitally transform. Um, And it's one of the things I love about my job because we've got the best toolbox in the world. And when we have those conversations, it really starts to open up the the capabilities of how we can transform uh, really a lot of industries and and organizations that are challenged uh, on a a, a ton of different spectrums.
1: So when you say interoperability, I've just recently been starting to get accustomed to to this specific word. And I just did a a, a podcast not too long ago uh, with a colleague of mine, who's chief architect at the Microsoft Technology Center in Irvine, California. And he built a essentially a community base on open structure, uh, uh, artificial pancreas for his son. And his entire ethos was all about interoperability. I mean, how can we work with AWS and Google and in Dexcom and Medtronic and all these different biotech companies and all these different tech vendors together to create and i think what i'm seeing and i think that we wouldn't probably be having this conversation 3 4 years ago because it would just be a you know microsoft raw raw conversation but we know that our customers are using aws they're using oracle they're using salesforce they're using tableau and we're saying it's okay and in the technology space i think there's this agnostic leadership of tech companies having to come forward and say, look, like we have to start to align our interests for the, uh, the value of the customer. And it, someone has to build a backbone. And I think Microsoft is, is building that backbone. And I love how you really have an interest here. Like, What kind of trends are you captivated by today? Um, you I think you named a couple. But when you think about interoperability and you think about trends that are happening today in retail and operations and like manufacturing, there's, there's this, this essence of the digital feedback loop. Like what when you wake up in the morning, what like really inspires you about all these different things that are happening?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, Derek. <clears throat> I think if you look at the transformation that Microsoft is currently in, and we're going from kind of that the prior to Satya Nadella era under Steve Ballmer and the rigidity that was tech computing. It was very competitive and it had to be on this specific platform. Fast forward to today and the expectations from customers, the ability to interact in an open world and have those paradigm shifts that are completely different than just five or seven years ago, the ability to have Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, Salesforce, all within an organization, and have to be able to execute a, a single experience for the customer. You know, we, We've all experienced calling into an organization, and they might ask for your phone number or your membership ID more than once, right? That repetitive experience or just the the hindrance of not knowing who they are, that's because those systems aren't interoperable and talking to each other. And Like you said, Microsoft realizes that customers have made investments in that data estate outside of Microsoft technologies people are running different operating systems they're running different databases they're in different clouds they're leveraging different applications microsoft understands that and is in has invested in things like the common data model and the common data service and that azure fabric in order to make different entities talk to each other right so if you're on oracle or if you're in salesforce microsoft has built those connectors In order to preserve that investment, but then bridge that value to a tool that you might want to leverage, such as an AI solution or an analytics solution or a development platform. And those are the things that Microsoft is delivering to customers today because we realize that you might have 15 years of investment in a specific ecosystem. You're not going to leave that overnight. So what we want to do is we want to build a bridge into all of that capability and start to add value to help solve those challenges. And I, I really credit Sachin Nadella for that sense of coopetition, if you will, right? Every month, every week, we hear about Microsoft is partnering with multiple different previous competitors because we understand we want to put our customer first. And that's part of the solution is being interoperable to extract that value.
1: And I just, I'm really just loving that. And it's almost like a cultural revolution, this open source thing and this interoperability. And I mean, I'm just, when just thinking about my own personal life, you know, jumping in my car, like why can't my car just connect to my phone You know flawlessly, and then now my phone is the epicenter of the car's computing power. And you know why? Why can't all my clouds? You know I I have everything, just like I have customers: Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, and everything does its own thing based upon its strengths. But like, how do I get all those things just to connect seamlessly? And it seems like that's. I mean, our customers are just struggling with that, and just some data that came out of the IDC. The IDC was saying that just this year line of business is spending, we'll have spent more um than IT on technology. I think it's like 52% of the shares coming from line of business and 48% coming from um, IT. So now we're we're having these business expectations of business coming in and saying, look, like we just want to be able to do stuff. <laughs> and we and we have a bunch yeah. of data. Like we need to be more competitive. We need to be more efficient. What are you hearing from customers that is just really starting to resonate with you in terms of things that they're being challenged by? I think it's a lot of what you mentioned,
0: right? So you've got 10 or 15 years of legacy applications and legacy data and projects that really haven't delivered to help them make better decisions. And it seems that the customers that, that we interact with or that are asking for help they haven't invested in that own data hygiene or business outcome hygiene. And now they're trying to catch up, right? It's like you or I, if we don't stay on top of, you know, our, you know, the the example I use is you wouldn't accept an outdated app on your mobile device. So whether it's Facebook or Instagram or ESPN or pick your favorite app, If you, if you aren't staying on top of, you know, the update, what's going on, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the latest and greatest features. And it's amazing to me how many, how many organizations aren't leveraging a infrastructure that is relatively modern, doesn't have to be cutting edge, but just relatively current. But this is the backbone of their business and they're still, you know, they're still operating as if it's the year 2004. And that's part of the challenge is to, you know, I think what's what's amazing for customers, when we show them what Microsoft can deliver right now in, you know, almost July of 2019, it, it blows their mind, right? And culturally, most organizations are just trying to catch up to, you know, get to a modern point in time. And maybe that's, you know, six years past, but it's really the, they need to take those steps in order to stay current and working with a vendor to be in their cloud. It forces you to to kind of keep up with it, right? And to take advantage of the latest signals, the latest machine learning, the predictive capabilities. Um, And that's because customers expect that. You're gonna to go to you're gonna do more business with someone that understands and can anticipate and is more nimble in providing services to you than someone that's constantly asking uh, Derek, can you give us your home address again right so the ability to leverage those uh, outcomes and capabilities it's it's really it's coming from customers expect it and it's it's something that we take from our consumer lives and businesses are starting to transform because people have brought that technology back into the organization like you said if you've got Dropbox and Google Drive and you've got OneDrive and you use Slack and you've got Teams and you've got photos in five different clouds you want that to be you know a, a better experience and it takes a tremendous amount of protocols and engineering and just collaboration in order to make those experiences more refined. And you, you've seen a transformation within our own organization that we're driving more towards experiences rather than you know features and functionality. Does that answer your question? It's yeah. it's tough. There's so many elements within you know technology today, right? And and each one really has a different impact on our experiences.
1: No, I, 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 it, it does. And I'm just, I'm like wading through all this different information. And I'm thinking about from the customer level, I'm thinking, you know, let's say, and maybe Walmart's not a good example because they're like heavy, heavy, heavy digital company. um, But you, yeah. let's say you take a, you take like a Home Depot or you take a, like a retail business and they have all these different systems. They probably have logistics systems, they have you know ERPs that control their operations. They have sensors on devices, forklifts, all these different things. They have consumers that are coming in through different properties and buying items. They have like marketing. They have like all these different properties and territories and things that um, should be syncing. And their their C suite people are saying, okay, like how do we how do we evolve the customer experience so that it's just an an, an amazing experience. And you're pulled into this situation, you have a conversation um, with a COO and they're asking you, like, look, Nick, we're trying to really evolve this, this customer experience. We want our customers to feel like our brand is growing with them. Um, we feel like we're we're not really reaching out to them. The the, the experience is not very customized. What is what is your response when you come in and you have this wealth of information and you understand like the, the different stacks that Microsoft provides and the different stacks that all these other technology providers provide, like what are you saying to them? Like, where, like what does the conversation look like? Yeah, it's a good, good, uh, good question. I think again, it starts with that listening
0: and it's what are the outcomes that you're trying to drive? And is it customer self-service? Is it a customer 360-degree view is it a, is it empowering the associates on the floor to be able to walk up to Derek and say you know how can I help you you know whether it's an installation service or what have you I guess it's it, and it also starts with the the culture of the organization so most of the time when we have conversations we're coming to that discussion and the executive might already have some ideas of here's what we want to achieve. And so it really depends on where we get invited within that journey and to understand what are the outcomes you're trying to achieve, right? It's, there's so many elements of that people process and technology that help to drive that customer centric um, culture and the ability to help influence it. There's a lot that goes into it. We've been working with customers, you know, five or six years. And even though they have the right technology infrastructure, they might not have the right culture. They might not have the right hiring process. There's so many elements that go into creating that customer-centric culture. Um, In addition to the technology, the caliber of people, the ability to leverage analytics and to dive in and to understand what's truly going on. But then it's also the letting go of the reins and letting your customers provide that feedback to you, right? And bringing that into the process. You mentioned that digital feedback loop earlier. And how many times have we been asked to give a survey about a hotel stay or an experience with an organization? And that data might get submitted. However, it gets locked in one separate silo. Completely separate from the rest of that customer experience, and the value of, of Microsoft's assets is the ability to bring in that element and that signal of feedback and bring it into you know Derek's experience and the people that are interacting with Derek. So you had mentioned Lowe's or you know a Home Depot. Imagine if the the history and the feedback and the sentiment. Can be brought along for Derek's, uh, for the the associates working with Derek to be able to help influence that. And it gets back to that interoperability. It gets back to that that computing fabric that customers um, are asking for, and organizations are challenged to build it. Microsoft already has that built within Azure and our business experience and our business apps capability, and married with analytics and the ability to act and analyze and automate that it really is a is a paradigm shift but it really starts with the customer's expectation and customers are expecting it from their the organizations that d- they do business with and it's either the organizations transform or they're going to be transformed
1: and the the digital feedback loop not to keep on like Beating that word up—it's like such a fun word because if if folks were able to see the graphic, and I'm going to go ahead and post—I think you you did a video on—I'm going to post the graphic on the show notes. But it's essentially like a flywheel. In the middle, of this flywheel is like customer outcomes or value or data data centric outcomes or insights. And then the four quadrants of this flywheel—it's engaging your customers, empowering your employees, transforming your products, making operations more efficient. And it's got, if you look at like a data belt coming around every single one of these little like pinions and these quadrants and data is coming into that little quadrant and and data is coming back out into this, uh, the center of this flywheel, if you, if you, if you may. And you're just putting data out there in in iterations and you're gathering more data and you're able to do better things with that data. Um, like what's a good instance of a time that you've talked to a customer that you know of that is doing this today, doing it successfully?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think you know, starting with data is really the the crux of that modern experience. Um, you know, Tesla is doing a great job with that currently, right? There is data around the experiences and the sensors and the telemetry and the signals to help be proactive rather than reactive, right? So Microsoft's philosophy is that data should be at the start and the core of all of that customer experience because of exactly all those elements, the telemetry, the sensors, the signals, the relationship, that graph of knowledge can help to be proactive in delivering better service, look at the machine learning of when things are going to happen, and dispatch people proactively to get ahead of that and ultimately change that customer experience. Tesla is a a great example of that. right? The ability to have an update or to understand here's what's happening and to be able to aggregate signals across a massive data estate to be delivering a an expectation or exceeding those expectations from a customer experience. And it's because it was built from the ground up in order to do that. But Microsoft's tool sets around Azure and biz apps and analytics and productivity and relationship and development the ability to bring that all together on a common data platform that is hyper global at scale secure robust and the ability to harness all of that intelligence regardless of where it is across the globe and push that out to all of the edges that's where you know such an adela and the intelligent edge and that capability that's where it's really a paradigm shift and a game changer for Microsoft's customers, right? And, I, you know, I, I can bang the Microsoft drum all the time, but if you compare, look at the big players, right? So Google, Amazon, Salesforce, Microsoft, they might have, our competitors might have one or two pieces of that element. And you know, some, of those, some of those competitors are advertisers at the core. Some of them are you know, maybe a cloud at the core for infrastructure or uh, other services. The value of Microsoft is looking at the software as a service, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, um, all of those different capabilities, that's where Microsoft is a leader based upon mag- uh, Gartner's magic quadrants and can help, you know, in 30 out of those key areas we have a leadership stance. And Amazon, Salesforce, Google, they might have a, a great position in some of those areas, but Microsoft's breadth of capability really is a, a differentiator. And I think our biggest challenge is helping to increase awareness of here are all the pieces that you can take advantage of and to be able to bring that together for driving those business outcomes.
1: I think you just said the uh, the magic word is increasing or magic statement is increasing awareness and and that's I mean we were just talking about this before we connected in and, and got online. Just taking a step back again, you know you you were mentioning the first step is listening to the customer. And you I mean, you're talking about so much here and it's some really ground ba- groundbreaking stuff. And a lot of just the, the truth is a lot of businesses just aren't doing this unless you're, you're cloud native, unless you're like a Snapchat or you're a Tesla or, you know, probably an Apple like companies are just, it's inherent to their DNA to be able to provide these different kinds of analytics and use them in their, in the way that they run their business. Like this, this digital feedback loop that we're talking about. Going back to increasing this awareness What's the hardest part about your job? I love my job. Um, you
0: know, there's there's days that working with customers and wanting to deliver everything that our cloud can deliver right now in 2019, and they just want to bite off a small piece and walk. Not necessarily run because their culture might not be ready for it. Right. Today, organizations can turn on the robust capabilities around analytics, the ability to ingest that IOT, the ability to transform their customers experiences. And they pump the brakes and they do so because they're uh, for whatever reason. And it's challenging because we get brought in to help advise and guide and educate, and they wanna take the smallest baby step possible. And there are mounting pressures to transform because the barrier to entry for your competitors are going to be stealing that customer experience. And as consumers, The switching cost for you and I to change providers is easier than ever before. So you and I, if we're not happy with one organization, we can instantly go and find another one and replace them pretty much overnight. And the ability to stay locked in, the differentiated customer experience is going to be uh, more critical than ever before. And like you said, the lines of business are starting to identify that and the IT capabilities of bringing that infrastructure, that's almost like dial tone, right? You expect that you're going to have an internet connection. You're going to have storage and compute and capabilities. The secret sauce is really in creating that experience through AI and ingesting those signals and being proactive rather than reactive. Um, you know the abilities for organizations to to harness the cloud and, and scale. That's a game changer. And when they're hesitant to take advantage of that, you know that can be frustrating.
1: And I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And I think it's because, and it's I mean it's hard to make decisions, right? I mean for me if you saw my decision-making process for buying the smallest dumbest item on Amazon, like I'm a, I'm a total gearhead. I love yeah. purchasing like gear, like, you know, like the tools, things to help me get things accomplished. And like, I hate spending money. So I'm constantly like on Amazon reading reviews. Like I'm probably spending when you probably, if you can compute my hourly wage <laughs> and then like you, you put that against like how long it would take me to make a decision. It's like, it's disgusting, the entire process. I and mean, My wife is like, always on my back about it. But customers are like, the same way. Yeah. But there's so much more risk because their jobs are on the line. Yeah. And I think things are moving so fast, it's hard for them to get educated. They're going to, to websites. I've, I've talked to customers that are doing very complicated things and, with GPUs and deep learning. And they're going to our website to figure out the costing of some of these things. And the costing is overburdened is, is over by like 90% because they just, they just don't know. And you know one of the biggest things that kills pro- on the a i space the things that I work on constantly it's it's a two year a two year project is the most unexciting project on the planet. no one's going to support a two year project it's got to be done super fast yeah. and the ability to just create something in the cloud, burst it up, burst up resources as necessary, kill the resources if if it doesn't look like the project's going to go the right way i think the entire thinking be behind that dynamic learning and that dy- dynamic execution i think it's hard to convey to customers i i feel your frustration but you are taking so you're also creating content like you like there's a learning component in there too like customers have to be educated yeah. they're going to work they're focusing on their proprietary functions but we want to start taking away all the things they shouldn't be doing you know, really, if you're an insurance provider, you shouldn't own a call center. You know, you should have you know analytics and and digital assistance and AI really taking care of the calls of people that are pissed off about their rates increasing. While you can have the people that are doing the call center stuff today, massaging the customer, asking them what other services uh, they should be providing, talking to them more about how to make them safer in their vehicles and their homes and all these different things. So. So, going back to learning, like you're creating content, like you're not waiting for anybody. Tell us about that process. When did you start creating content? When did you start uh, educating customers and
0: yeah, it's core to our job is to share the capabilities right and tell that story and so much is you know a, a picture's worth a thousand words and to listen to here's the outcome that a customer is trying to achieve and then show them here it is here it's ready to go and here is a day in the life of how your organization can take advantage of microsoft teams and azure and business applications and leverage ai and cognitive services and marry that to help create a better experience for Derek, right so the content creation and uh fortunately in microsoft there's a we have the ability to share and empower our colleagues and so much of of what i love about being an employee at microsoft is helping to make others great and the ability to share uh, one of the things of our culture is how did you build on the work of others and i can i can leverage something that you've built i can share it out with our internal yammer network i can share it externally to linkedin right? So the ability to tell that story, to make customers aware, um, it's something I'm really passionate about because Microsoft has the best solutions in the world that nobody's ever seen. And yeah. we all need to help share that story. And I've been really active in my local Dynamics 365 user group here in Boston. And presenting every other month and listening to what's top of mind from our customers it really started to generate a need to get the information down to the the user and the admin level right so customers might there might be blogs and videos all over the place but unless customers are aware of it and tune in then it's they're they They're not aware of, here's the latest, greatest capabilities and how they can help solve a lot of their headaches. And again, getting back to most of our customers are still leveraging an infrastructure from years ago, right? Not knowing that and and getting back to our point of you and I wouldn't tolerate our cell phone from five or six years ago, right? The speed, the experience. So, Why would anybody tolerate, here is that same experience for their business that generates their revenue and helps to keep their business um, in operation, right? So that content creation and the sharing of the story, the capabilities, um, we're fortunate at Microsoft that we get... um, we get encouraged to share and to collaborate because Microsoft is such a geographically dispersed organization. You and I, and recording a podcast or sharing video or publishing to LinkedIn or creating blogs, it's really the modern version of working out loud and helping our customers. Um, And it's just something, I, you know, obviously you're passionate about. I think um, I am as well. And it's helpful for our customers to understand, hey, I've, I've figured something out. I want to learn and share and build that community and I think it's it's really the the new way of of working.
1: I'm actually going to be speaking at this LinkedIn local in Orange County event about the future of work. And I mean you just you just nailed it like it's exactly where the future is heading. And what's your favorite part of the process? Like is it is it creating is it just like getting in, into the technology? I mean I've seen your your YouTube stuff. And I'll, I'll put the link to your channel in the show notes as well. But like, is it like the editing portion? Do you like the learning that you have to put, in, put into it? Do you like the sharing? Do you like the banter back and forth of folks asking questions? Like what's your favorite part of the, the content creating?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I really, there's so much into it. You know, you and I have a, it's really the pace of innovation is outweighing our ability to document it and help totally. create those learning assets.
1: Yep, I agree. So the,
0: the thousands of engineers at, at any company are foot down, pedal to the metal, and just innovating. And the ability to document and learn, it's just c- trying to catch up. So helping others, if I take a half day to figure something out, And I can document those steps and I can share them internally or externally. And that might help somebody else, um, accelerate that learning that really can create a connection with, with you and I in that community. Right. And that's not slowing down, right. That, that structure has been out there for the longest time. It's just the channels have changed. And by the time, a you know, if we rewind the clocks 10 or 12 years, by the time a book is written, it's already outdated. And now for you and I, video and collaborating in real time is the the fastest way to get something out there and to share that knowledge and to leave a trail where people can search for, discover, learn all 24 by seven. That's what gets me fired up around the the sharing and even just the, the emails and the, the thumbs up in the comments where people are like, wow, this is awesome. Thank you so much. That that lights my fire because I know that that energy that we're putting into creating something is helping other people. Um, and it's a community, right? We want to build knowledge and assistance across the community, regardless of who we work for. It's, it's that new modern working. Um, And there's so many tools in order to do that. It's really pick your favorite medium and share, work out loud, collaborate, receive assistance. And frankly, that's one of the things I love. When I have a a challenge or an issue, I can post internally or externally, and I get answers from all over the globe. And that's one of the things that I love most about our culture, the tools, as well as the, the ecosystem of, you know, where I sit within Microsoft. It's it's awesome. I I've, I've got the greatest job and in in part of the greatest community in the world. And it's, it, that's what fires me up.
1: And and you got your, I love AI shirt on right now. So that's, that's my favorite shirt too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's great. So and I know we're running, uh, at the top of the hour here, um, just getting a little bit more personal. So who or what is your favorite sci-fi character?
0: Yeah. So if my wife were here, she'd probably, She would love this too. She's a big sci-fi fan and I'd have to say Iron Man, right? Like you're in Southern Cal and, and even just the, uh, the picture behind your, uh, you know, in the background there, (laughs) it looks like it's, it's ripe for Tony Stark. And I would be, I I would love it, right? If if you could give me the Iron Man suit for just a half day, I would be, you know, the, the happiest kid ever. And, you know, I, I would love to be Iron Man.
1: Awesome. I love that. Okay so How about you? Uh,
0: you, you you probably right like you you ask that question all the time and you know does your answer ever change
1: it it, it I was before, when I was asking you this 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 question I knew I was like you know what I wonder if mine has changed in and, and in the past I said that it was it was the, it was the T101 uh from terminator one terminator one arnold yeah. schwarzenegger and uh, actually no I'm sorry terminator 2 he fights the T-1000 and, and, and why I gave some reasons why that was. But I think today I'm just think I just was watching Dark Knight this last week and I'm a huge Batman fan. Nice. I love, I love Batman because he's like the gadget. He's like, he's so depressed. <laughs> like he's the most <laughs> depressed, sad, but he's such a, just a badass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I love a that. I Yeah. I've had yeah. The, the love
0: affair with Batman and uh, as a kid, my mom made handmade costumes for my brother and I as Batman and Robin, you know, down to the greatest detail. and it was it was awesome. Batman, Batman rocks,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, so Nick, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Um, if they'd like to chat, learn more about what you're doing?
0: yeah. and and we can put some of the the channels in the the show notes, but um, highly active on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is at Nick Fratello and then, uh, Microsoft business applications, YouTube, which is just
1: AKA.ms slash MS biz TV. All right. All right. Well, I'll share that out. Uh, really appreciate you having on. You're such a passionate guy and you love, I mean, you love your job. You love what you do. And I hope people follow you and start to collaborate with us online because I think it'll be a fun process. Um,
0: yeah, you as well, Derek. And, and thank you for all you do to to help share and uh, bring the community together. It's very valuable.
1: Definitely. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later, Nick. Thanks, Derek. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S network on Twitter, or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at binge.com The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought forum where we share knowledge and ideas, views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.